Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we are reviewing the new Netflix original film, Coffee and Kareem, a uh, kind of a buddy cop comedy starring Ed Helms. I went straight to Netflix this week. We took we w- took a look at it, and we're going to let you know what we think, whether or not it's worth your time. We're also going to look at a smaller film, movie called Tombstone Rashomon, that was sent to Andy and I last week for review from the uh, uh, company that puts it out. It came out about last year. Uh, we had to watch it on a secure website. Uh, so we got hot takes on Tombstone Rashomon, and we'll talk about that. Something a little a little bit more offbeat on our Bold Cinema podcast. We're going to talk about a couple trailers, some things that are coming out uh, in this content drought <laughs> that is coronavirus. And we're also going to talk about some news. But before we get to all that, Andy, uh, what is this, week three? In week living three. In, living in self-quarantine. How's it going, man? I'm surviving. I'm My beard is growing out. <laughs> it's... um. It's uh, it's getting there, and I've got a routine of you know I try to leave the house uh, every other day. Uh, either to go, there's a, there a new grocery store actually opened up across the street, which is real convenient. Um, so I walk over there just to kind of get out and buy a few things. Um, you know, try to only go to the store once a week, if that, and uh, go to my there's a donut drive-through donut place that I've also been <laughs> frequenting. It's hard not to. Uh, you're in. Are you in mask territory and gloves now? Or where are we? Mask, yes. No, okay. no gloves at this point. I am not doing gloves. I probably need to get a mask. I think that's probably where I'm at. Uh, otherwise, things are good over here. I'm starting to do more podcasts over Zoom, which I thought I would like a lot, and I, th- I don't think I actually do. Um, I, I know we do our podcast over over Skype, so it sounds silly to say I don't like doing podcasts uh, on the internet, but. Um, I don't know something about it. Something about being separate and not really knowing when to jump in when other people are talking and like it's there's there's a weird delay there that, that messes with me. But other than that, things have been good. Things are not so great at the movies, however, because all the theaters are still closed. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. will be for for a while. I think so. Yeah, uh, uh, you and I were talking about it yesterday. That's kind of the update, right? This is probably just going to be life for a while. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I was thinking the last thing I saw in, in theaters was uh, the Invisible Man. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was, we were just saying yesterday, I, I still have a ticket stub in my car for Onward because we went and saw it a little over a month ago. And like, that's already on Disney Plus. You can just watch it, mm-hmm. which is wild to me. Uh, a lot of streaming companies are trying to figure out what exactly to do in this whole people not going to the movies thing. Uh, I'm sure a lot of them are seeing much higher viewership. But uh, one of our first articles this week came out of HBO and Warner Media. They are encouraging viewers to hashtag stay home box office with hundreds of hours of free programming on HBO. So you don't have to have an HBO subscription. Uh, apparently, they're going to make up to 500 hours of their best best programming, their best movies and shows available for free on HBO Now and HBO Go starting uh, last Friday, April 3rd. So it's already available. You just download the app and you can just start watching stuff. Things like Sopranos, Veep, Six Feet Under the Wire. Uh, crazy. I, I, did not, I did not expect this. Yes, you know, it it seems because everyone is stuck at home, everyone's trying to all these companies are trying to see how they can leverage their streaming service because while there's, you know, a lot of things to worry about in the world, people are stuck at home and they need entertainment. And so uh, we've seen I think Stars did some sort of free trial, uh Cinemax and now HBO is also doing which is essentially an, an extended free trial starting uh which I think actually started on Friday of just a limited amount of their shows. 
Right. Uh, I think, just just to real quick get into what exactly they have, um, just in case you're really interested in this idea, most of that 500 hours is coming from original HBO television content. They have full seasons, full series available. They've got shows like Ballers, Barry, Silicon Valley, The Sopranos, uh, Veep, True Blood, The Wire are on there in, in totality. You can watch every episode for free, which is a big deal. They don't normally do that. You can get, you've got 20 theatrical films, things like Detective Pikachu, which is pretty recent, and also Sucker Punch which is not so recent and, and some rom-coms and they've got some documentaries for the most part it's going to be just their television shows but this is a big move hbo does not normally just put out their content for free like this not 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 in totality normally it's like a season on H- on amazon prime or something right and, and it's important to note that it's not their you know more recent huge series like game of thrones isn't on there uh, westworld isn't on there a lot of their uh you know the outsider so a lot of their big recent hits are are absent and it's you know it, it's kind of using their back catalog but it's a way to see you know try and maybe get some new viewers and also hype people up to the release of hbo max which is next month yes which i'm actually really excited to talk about you were saying uh, uh last time we talked about it, hbo max is something we're all supposed to be just be getting upgraded to that's the deal if you already have uh, hbo yeah, I think if you have HBO Go and you're already... Because it's the same price. You're just going to kind of be migrated over to the new service. Right. Um, and that'll be really something. Just more more content on your streaming services. So if you have HBO, keep an eye out for HBO Max next month. And if you don't, maybe now's the time to check it out. Because that content's free and you can, you can go nuts. And those series are actually really good. Um, speaking of companies that are trying to figure out <laughs> what, what to do in, in, in this time of... of Streaming quarantine, I guess. Uh, Amazon Prime has been partnering partnering with South by Southwest, uh, the the film festival out of Austin, to produce the 2020 Film Festival collection on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, what what do you know about this, Andy? So with the you know kind of unprecedented cancellation of the South by Southwest festival, uh, they were trying to figure out you know what do we do with all these films and film filmmakers that had been committed and are you know depending on. Um, uh, you know, some income from that. And so Amazon has, has kind of stepped up to host and create uh, some sort of interface or some sort of uh, service to be able to uh, watch, kind of do this film festival online uh, for free. You, you don't have to have an Amazon, even have an Amazon prime account. You just have to have an Amazon account period and you'll be able to, to check out uh, the, the film festival. Uh, I think this is a pretty good idea. I think there's going to be a lot of lot of creators who are against it, right? Especially if you were planning on taking your film to South by Southwest to show it in front of audiences, show it in front of distributors, and hopefully sell it to somebody like Netflix. You're probably going to have a problem with Amazon Prime running your video. That's, that's probably an issue. But if you couldn't make it to South by because there was, say, a global pandemic and you're still looking for a way to get your movie in front of audiences, this might be the way to do it. It's easy. Uh, the barrier to entry is low. Uh, nobody's going to have to pay anything, apparently. I don't, I'm not even sure you have to have a Prime account. I think you can just log into Amazon Video and just start watching. Yeah, with or without an Amazon Prime membership. Says, says it right here. All you need is a free Amazon account. And you can watch any film that is opted into this film festival. That's worth mentioning. It's not just every film that was going to be at South by the, the people who made it do have to agree to do it and, and screen it for free. But it's going to be, I think 10 days that it's completely free. Uh, you can just get on and watch them after that. I assume these things will be removed. Um, so that'll be exciting. We're going to have a lot. We have to cover on that. Yeah. And you know, it, it's still one of the purposes of a film festival is to sell films to bigger distributors like Netflix or, or whoever. Um, and this gives them a chance to do that, you know, because they'll be able to probably get a little bit more accurate data, seeing, well, who's actually watching 
what on on the film festival and because it's only 10 days it's gonna be pretty limited and you know who knows how many films it's gonna be but uh you know i don't think they have to worry too much about too many people watching it and not being interested later you know i I think it could definitely be you know kind of a test case of see let's see what's popular and what people buy and then it might end up on netflix the next month I think it's a sharp move, uh, just like HBO putting out free content. I think Amazon partnering with South by to do this is a good long-term investment, right? Because this is the first time South by has not been held since the whole thing started. This is the first year they've had to cancel. And Amazon has already been kind of getting involved in films festivals and like other distributors like Netflix and Warner Media and HBO, buying the rights to films before they come out so they can put them on their platform. By doing this, Amazon's taking a step forward and saying, we want to partner with you to make the whole thing happen. We're not just a distributor. We are a producer of this thing. And I think that's wise because come next year or the year after or whenever South by starts meeting again, you know... Amazon's going to have a front seat to that party, uh, mm-hmm. if not a, a, a backstage pass. Um, well, and this could also be a continuing thing where we 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 see the advent of the digital film festival, mm-hmm. or where everyone can kind of chime in, not just you know, not just the few people who can afford to to go out to, to you know Toronto or Sundance or Cannes or or whatever. So it's uh, you know it, we could see more of this to come. The other reason I'm excited about this, and I'll be honest, it's because I love the meat grinder of attention getting on the internet, right? You go to a film festival, well, you're going to go see what you can. You got a couple hours between screenings. Maybe I'll go see this little movie. I'll see what it's about. You put these all on Amazon Prime and you let the people decide, man, oh man, we're, we're going to very quickly filter out the good from the bad and it's going to be amazing and I'm excited about it. Well, I wonder, you know, I wonder if they'll do like a schedule, you know, what if they just do, you know, m- movie a comes is only available for the first two days and you got to catch it in that window or that's it mm. you know i could see that i could yeah. see, see them doing some sort of because then that would get more focus on everything right that actually makes a lot of sense. They probably should do something like that. Either way, we'll cover it here on the show. So if you want to keep up with what's going on there, throw us a subscribe or a like or whatever you do with your podcast, and we'll <laughs> tell you what's going on when it happens. Uh, we'll keep you posted, so keep it here for more. Our last story before we get to Coffee and Kareem, uh, there is a new streaming service out. It's taking the internet by storm. Everybody's talking about it. I know you've all heard about it on Facebook. Uh, it's Quibi. <laughs> Quibi. Quibi. Quibi is it? Q Q U I B I. You haven't heard about this yet? Quibi? <laughs> Andy, tell people about Quibi. So Quibi is short for Quick Bytes, which is um, media created specifically for kind of mobile tablet usage. I think more mobile usage. And and these are Quick Bytes of film, of TV, of uh, reality TV. Um, they're going to be, you know, shows that are between like five and ten minutes long uh and you know it's kind of like highly highly well produced so it's like an actual show but instead of you know it being like traditionally half hour hour long it's five minutes seven minutes ten minutes something like that um and so they're trying to kind of fill this this space on you know the person commuting on the subway or the person waiting at the airport you know you're not necessarily looking to watch a whole hour and a half of content you just need uh a little bit sure uh, some of the series that have been highlighted here in Quibi's launch are um, 
usually helmed with some kind of relatively star-studded cast. Uh, we've got Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones has her own show in here. Uh, LeBron James is involved in a project. Uh, uh, Idris Elba is, 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 is tangled up in here. Chance the Rapper has a show on Quibi. But for the most part, this stuff is supposed to be exactly what you said. Quick bites, right? Little little 10-minute episodes or 5-minute clips that are just kind of released weekly. Uh, we've got a couple game shows on here. We have a couple scripted shows, documentary series. Uh, what do you, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about it? I guess we should talk about how much it costs, right? That's Because it's not free. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's important to say. Uh, so there's uh, it's, there's two tiers. There's a four ninety nine tier, four ninety nine a month. Um, which does come with ads, and then there's an ad-free tier for $7.99. Um, so ads are going to be a, a big part of it. Um, that I, I don't know if there's the demand, but I do think there is there is kind of this space, and I've seen people talk about you know the need of of, of you know what does short form. What is what does a short form movie look like? What is a short form TV like? You know, episodes that are seven minutes long. What does that look like? Some, I mean, similar to what you would see on a web series. Um, and I guess that's the big question: is will this take over? You know, inter- internet entertainment. Right. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I, in my humble opinion, I think uh, this this platform should be totally free. <laughs> Uh, I think you get a 90-day free trial. You get three months straight up off the top, uh, probably ad-supported, when you sign up. So you do get 90 days to try it, to be fair. Three months of Quibi. You can can try this thing and see what you think. So it's not like a 15-day trial or anything, but even still, I just don't know where the space is in the entertainment market for this, right? Um, I think you were the one that pointed that out when we first started talking about this last week. Uh, this is right in between like YouTube and Netflix, and I don't think the world needs something in between YouTube and Netflix. What right. I, I mean, think like a really polished uh, TikTok or, you know, even a, a, a polished YouTube channel. And, it, you know, a lot of younger generations, that's what all their, wa- they watch internet TV or internet shows. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're, that's what you're competing with. And you're again, competing with free. But at the same time, I could see, you know, if you, if you find a show or a film or a series that you really like, and it's, you know, this is like Hollywood grade stuff. This isn't like, uh, you know, and there is some charm to the internet, the everyday man producing content in, you know, in his home, in his closet. That's one form of entertainment. But then there is there, the question is, is there room for a premium version of that? Right. And I, I don't know if there is. Now, this is a movie podcast. We should specify it. It doesn't appear Quibi has any films. So we probably won't be talking about it much more past here. But it's something that came out and and it's come out right at a time when it's either a really good idea or a really bad idea, right? This will either take off great when everybody's staying in or it won't work at all. Uh, and we just thought it was worth mentioning. This is a way the internet is adapting entertainment, right? This is one of those ways that people say cinema is being adapted into things and the way we experience shows and, and entertainment is is you know, evolving. And, and that's probably worth mentioning on our little bold cinema podcast. So, well, and, and I, w- I wonder if this might create a space for the, the small film filmmaker, you know, the, the person who, who doesn't have a budget for a two hour film, but you know, maybe you could make a 20 minute film or, you know, uh, some episodic content. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I said, uh, the most interesting thing coming out of it so far right now for me is the idea of, high concept, high production value shows that are filmed for 16 by nine screen or nine by 16 screens. I'm sorry, like vertical video, right? Like Instagram. Cause that's what, that's what a couple of these are. Apparently most of them are just like pan and scan. They just film them widescreen on normal cameras and then they just 
crop in to, to get your like long frame that you would watch on your phone vertical. But some of these shows specifically are shot with that in mind. And that's very different. I haven't seen that before. So I don't know. Maybe something cool will come out of Quibi. Um, we'll see, I guess. And speaking of cool things coming out of streaming services, we should talk about our first film of the episode. I'm going to be taking the summary on this one. The movie is Netflix's Coffee and Kareem. You have the right to remain silent. Coffee and Kareem is the story of 12-year-old Kareem Manning, a young black student in Detroit, Michigan, living with a single mom who doesn't take any crap from anybody. Uh, And when he discovers his mom is dating a a white police officer with a mustache, uh, played by Ed Helms uh, from The Hangover, uh, he decides to hire a criminal. And in a criminal underground ring to scare his mom's new boyfriend, potentially paralyze him from the waist down. Uh, you know, just, just spook him a little. <laughs> in the film, in the film, he is explicitly trying to get him killed. But I think that the joke is he's just trying to try to scare him away from his mom. Right. And and in the middle of trying to hire him, it backfires uh, and that forces Officer Coffee and young Kareem to team up in order to save themselves from Detroit's most ruthless uh, drug kingpin. It's a very exciting tagline. It is like. 88 minutes with credits uh it it is a comedy it's very modern uh it's definitely racy andy what did you think of coffee and kareem um well you know i didn't know what to think initially um but i think it 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 hits some high marks um it you know it's it's a little cliche it's a bit of a cliche setup um but we get good performances and it's it's you know it's an action comedy. There's lots of action. There's lots of comedy. I laughed a lot. Uh, the the newcomer Terrence Terrence Little Garden High, who plays Kareem, uh, I think is a show stealer. He has so many absurd and ridiculous and laugh out loud lines. Um, Ed Helms is funny. Taraji P Henson is great. <clears throat> there's a lot of funny. <clears throat> there's a lot of good setups. I laughed a lot. Um, also, it, it's important to remember, even though this came out on Netflix, this was going to be a wide release. This, this was going to be a uh, you know a bigger film, but be, because of the coronavirus epidemic, Netflix bought it and released it. And it's you can see the difference. You can see the difference between the stuff on Netflix, which is debatably mediocre, and you something that has a little bit more Hollywood polish on yeah. it. Like it has better writing, better like better action. You know some some things that that make it look like it's not for a streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it seems to know what it is, Coffee and Kareem. Like, it doesn't, it it is unabashedly a 88 minute Netflix comedy. And like, it feels like everybody who made it knew that. It's not trying to be some kind of bigger blockbuster fun thing. And it's also not trying to be like low budget crappy Netflix. It's like right in the middle. It's funny. The script is pretty tight. Uh, it's definitely a little, um, bombastic at times. Um, but for comedic effect, you know, uh, uh, when violence happens, it's, it's funny because it's so outrageous. (laughs) When somebody says a goofy line, it's funny because it's coming from a 12 year old kid, you know, like it's, it's it wears its heart on its sleeve in that in it in that way, and I actually really respect it. It's it's not a great film, but you could do so much worse on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. In the first act with the, the, our setup, you know, we have the, the the cop scene, Taraji P Henson and their relationship, and then Kareem's a part of it too. It, it seemed, like I said, really cliche, and there wasn't there wasn't a lot of funny lines or things happening. But once it get it gets going, it's it's pretty entertaining, and it reminded me. This is a really old movie you probably haven't seen. Uh, Cop and a Half, 
with no. uh, with Burt Reynolds from like 1992, which is a similar thing where uh, Burt Reynolds is, is paired up with uh, a young black kid who witnesses a crime. And so he has to protect the kid and, you know, he doesn't like kids. So they have to, you know, learn to get along. This is like a very similar setup. Mm. So let's jump into it. Uh, let's, let's start with our performances, probably. Uh, our lead is Ed Helms as Coffee. I have not seen Ed Helms in a movie in, like, five years. And he's been making movies. He's been doing kind of kind of more uh, indie stuff. He's, he's had some roles, voice roles on, on uh, animated, you know, adult animated shows. BoJack Horseman, most notably, he was in a few times. But for the most part, he's kind of just been... I mean, he did Tag, I guess, which was two years ago. And I haven't really seen him in anything since uh taraji p henson of course was in movies like hidden figures uh she's tremendous as the mom i didn't actually say how, how ed helms does ed helms is good he's pretty funny he's standard white cop ed helms like he, he checks the boxes for milk toast uh very yeah, scared and- very cowardly <laughs> white cop ed helms um yeah and he's like totally disrespected at, at the force you know right. like he he's a big joke his his uh supervisor detective watts played by uh, betty gilpin um, just, just like rags on him all the, it, it's the kind of thing. It's so ridiculous. Like everyone would get fired there if they talked like these people right. talk, but, but you know, she's totally just ragging on and putting him down. And it, it's really funny. I mean, there's some really funny insults in, in this movie, but yeah. he's, he's a good guy at, at heart. Like he's, you know, he's not a corrupt cop and he's trying to uphold the law and, you know, wants to help relate to this kid for the sake of his relationship. Yeah, he's got this great, like, fish-out-of-water uh, kind of trope going in the film, not only at the, the police station where all of the cops are incredibly dirty-talking, vulgar-slinging, like, <laughs> wordsmiths who are insulting each other, on level of, like, something from the cops from, like, the other guys, like, just absurd, like, cop-cop humor. Um, and he's also got that played against his girlfriend, Taraji Piansen, who is, of course, black. And we have a white cop dating a black, a black mom in Detroit, and everybody's got hot takes on that. And he's like, look, I'm just trying to get by. I had a divorce. I'm like a bruised piece of fruit. I'm still good on the inside. Like, just goofy... Like generic Ed Helms doesn't want doesn't want to curse or upset anybody, you know. Um, this place, of course, against uh, Kareem, a twelve-year-old Terrence Little Garden High, who, like you said, is probably a breakout performance. He's fantastic in this movie. This this little this little chubby twelve-year-old kid is hilarious, and he doesn't take any crap from anybody, and I love it. And he is 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 the odd couple with, with coffee, right? He's he has to play off off of him and, and be the the tough bad cop to his good cop. Yeah, he's he's so crass and so and it, it it's one of those things that it's ridiculous because it's a 12 year old saying some of these things and what, what i like it, it didn't take the uh what is it the good boys uh with the three like uh tweens that you know because in that movie the the those kids like they don't know what they're talking about when it comes to like sex or violence or other things and that's like the whole joke but it, it's not really funny after a while with this this is a kid who like kind of does know about these things and it's just he's so crass there's there's a scene towards the beginning where he's supposed to get up and read a poem and he starts you know making sexual advances toward toward, towards his teacher which are very explicit and i was just i mean i I was like shocked the about the amount of the amount of times i was just like jesus kid yeah uh uh, this is there's a lot of shock value this is r-rated right we yeah hard r i'm sure hard, hard r especially with language and violence um I, I, I enjoyed Taraji P. Henson's performance as the mom. She's kind of just boilerplate, though. She doesn't really have a big enough role to, to really do anything important. Uh, Betty Gilpin, as Ed Helms' kind of supervisor, Detective Watts, is pretty good. I, I don't know what I'd seen her in before. And, and looking at her IMDb, I know she's been in The Hunt. I think she was the lead in that. 
she was in Stuber. Glow. Yeah, and she was in Stuber. Uh, the movie we watched uh, last year with with uh, Dave Bautista and and Kumal Nanjani, which is another kind of out of fish out of water buddy cop movie. Funny mm-hmm. story: this movie, Coffee and Kareem, reminded me a lot of Stuber, and I couldn't figure out why outside the buddy cop thing. And then I realized they're both directed by the same guy. Michael Douse is the director oh. of Stuber and this film, <laughs> so that's why they have a similar energy. And just like Stuber, pretty pretty good, honestly. Like not not bad, uh, just not not big enough to to kind of get above the noise and be any kind of breakout comedy film but just like stuber really not bad really not a bad mm-hmm. movie and and i think uh, you know taraji p henson she has uh, a couple of action scenes where she kind of gets beat people up which are, <laughs> yeah. are are really pretty good uh like i said betty gilpin has she's got a lot of good one-liners and and zingers uh, putting everyone down uh david allen greer is is in this is as he well is with a big beard which is strange yeah, but. strangely uh but yeah it, it's a good cast and it it's really funny like i definitely laughed a lot yeah and one other thing before we move on to the plot i know we're harping on the cast a lot but there's one other group i wanted to mention here there's these three bad guys these three <laughs> yes these three like they're supposed to be like drug kingpin characters uh these are the guys that kareem tries to hire at the beginning of the film to to kneecap coffee uh they are these three black dudes and they are the most like bumbling idiot goofy dudes that are so solid on the delivery every one of them are good they're all great they're 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 andrew bachelor william stewart and uh ron ron rico lee who i've never heard of any of them and i don't think i've ever seen any of them in films but the three of them are fantastically written really good really good goofy comedy villains like just kind of not scary at all but they're supposed to be intimidating like really really good energy out of these guys yeah i i think that I think that Andrew uh, Bachelor has actually has a, I think he has a TikTok channel and I'm pretty sure I've seen a number of them cuz he he's really funny on there as well. Yeah, they're they're the three of them have all done just good kind of small things um but really really good in this movie. Those guys should get more work. So let's jump into the plot. Uh at the beginning of the film, uh Kareem sees uh Mr. Coffee with his mom and decides, "You know what? I'm not going to have this in my house." I'm going to get a hold of the biggest drug kingpin in Detroit. He gets the hookup from some friend of a friend on his phone while he's at school and he's supposed to be delivering a, a, a class project because he's in like fifth grade or something. And and he ends up going to meet this drug kingpin while trying to connect with coffee and, and ultimately it goes south and the two of them are suddenly on the run. And on top of coffee having already a terrible day at the office by letting a criminal escape. Now the, the news takes this story of this 12 year old kid that's missing with this cop and assumes, Oh, he must be, a, he must be a perv. Right. So now he's, his face is on the news as child abductor. And he's a horrible dude. <laughs> and you get this like snowball effect of Ed Helms is a pervert and a terrible person and, and uh, held against him having to deal with this kid who just does not just, just, like it's all about the shit talk. I I love it. Yeah, and then and there's this whole kind of underlying their side plots of like, you know, a drug deal, the, the gangsters, uh, corrupt cops. It's and like I said, the setup is is totally uh, taken from or inspired by uh, Cop and a Half, where Kareem witnesses something he shouldn't, and so then he kind of becomes a target, and Ed Helms has to then uh, protect him uh from being eliminated or other people so then he can he can also you know help put these bad guys away right just like stuber it 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 embraces that like odd couple mentality or like turner and hooch or cop and a half yeah any any of these like 
police officer, milk toast police officer with <laughs> very, very cool, different buddy cop thing. Uh, and it works. Like Again, it, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Scenes move quickly. Uh, the writing, I think, is really kind of the, the spotlight for this, the script writing, because it's a lot of great one-liners and insults that come at you really fast and a lot of tight editing, so it just moves quick. You don't have a whole lot of time to sit and simmer on stuff. It's not supposed to be very cerebral. It's very... It, it's very on the nose, and, and I really appreciate that in an 88-minute comedy. It doesn't try to be something it's not. It knows, hey, this is a goofy, stupid, buddy, vulgar buddy cop movie, and that's all it's going to be. And, like, I, I respect that in a way. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you want to move on to next? Uh, let's talk about, I don't know, I guess, well, we don't need to talk about the second, third act. I think I've, I guess I've kind of summed it up enough. Yeah. Pacing, uh, we talked about performances. Uh, I would say the music, but nothing really stands out to me. Yeah, I would. What do you I, got? I think I would just mention like the the comedy part of it. It's it's an action comedy. There's lots of different parts. There's <laughs> very very crass uh, dialogue. Like I said lots of, of zingers and comebacks from uh, Betty Gilpin's character and uh, Kareem himself, <laughs> the young Terrence Little Garden High, who must have. I mean, there must be no better thrill than to be like you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, and just get this raunchy, raunchy script and be able to like yell these <laughs> profane and ex- explicit things at the top yeah. of your lungs. Yeah. Like, I, he's look, great. Looking at his background, he's just done some TV work. This is his first kind of reasonably sized film role. And yeah, he, he really needs to do more. He's really good. Uh, this, this kid should absolutely do more work. Uh, I, like I said, the script is really tight in that it doesn't, oh, it doesn't give you a whole lot of time to like think about what you're seeing it just kind of blows past you with jokes and stuff and if you just kind of hang on for the ride i think you're gonna have a good time uh for for 88 minutes you could stand to do much worse on netflix i do want to talk about the action a little bit um there's not a whole lot of it but when it shows up it's extreme yeah. to, to comedic <laughs> effect which is fantastic uh, yeah like if they're gonna if somebody's gonna get shot in this movie they're not gonna get shot once they're gonna get shot eight times and then somebody's gonna reload their gun and shoot them eight more times like just absurdist like levels of violence um that totally works because it's so it's so rare that when it does happen it's it's a shock and you kind of have to laugh at it right yeah it it has um it has a little bit of everything there's car chases there's shootouts there's fist fights there's brawls there's explosions um and that's how i knew that it was maybe a little bit more than the netflix budget because it has a few uh several large explosions um (laughs) but it's it's got a lot of this thrown in there to the absurdist degree along with with the the humor and just like just like Stuber, it's a bit of a road movie, right? Like they're on the run pretty much the whole movie. That's that's the deal. So um, we're kind of bouncing from scene to scene, set piece to set piece. There's a whole lot of warehouses and a whole lot of streets and alleys. Like not a whole lot of like set stuff. Normal but that does, places, yeah. Right, but that makes just like Stuber, that makes it feel like they're on location. That's one of the things I really liked about that movie. It makes it feel like I'm actually out in Detroit. Um, makes it feel real, you know? I, we watch Disney movies nowadays that are all shot in studios. Like, this this feels a little bit more down-to-earth and a little bit more approachable. And being that it's on Netflix with a bunch of unknown actors and Ed Helms, who hasn't had a hit in a while, like, it just feels humble in a way that I think is really pleasant. Uh, and it's not too in-your-face, and it's not, I don't know, it's not, it's not too bombastic. And it's just funny. It's just a funny little movie. All right. So, yeah. And with that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that perfect punctuation on this review. Uh, Andy, I'm curious. Uh, would you recommend Coffee and Kareem? 
Yeah, absolutely. If if it was in in theaters, uh, it would be a maybe. But since it's on on streaming, uh, if you have a Netflix, Netflix account, totally check it out. You know, you'll notice a production, a difference in the production. It's it's better than than what you normally see on on Netflix. Uh, it's funny, and that's what it's what you want out of an, an action comedy. Like it is is genuinely really funny. There's lots of action. There's lots of good one-liners, great performances by all involved, especially newcomer Terrence Little Garden High. Um, so yeah, really recommend. Lots of violence though, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I recommend it as well. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's offbeat in a way that, that doesn't feel like it steps on the formula for, for a buddy cop movie. Again, it's short, it's tight. It moves along. It doesn't overstay. It's welcome. I, I actually enjoyed it a lot. I, I'm curious to see what Michael Dows does next. Uh, it looks like Stuber and this are all he's got as far as IMDb is concerned. There's nothing featured for what's coming next from him. Um, but as far as it goes, like the buddy cop thing coming out of this guy is not too shabby. Ed Helms is pretty good in it. This kid's really funny. He's got some goofy villains. Uh, if you don't mind the language, you don't mind the violence. Because, again, hard R. Can't. Can't understate that enough. Uh, I think you'll have fun with it. It's 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 really not too shabby. Coffee and Kareem. Check it out on Netflix. Uh, and with that, we should move into our next segment. This is going to be an interesting one because uh, in the age of, of COVID-19, there's a bit of a drought on content, and I think it's only going to get worse. So when we talk about watching trailers for things that are coming up, it's a little hard to find things that are coming up now. But Andy's found a couple. We're going to talk about them. Andy, what's the segment called? It's time for the trailer part. So the first trailer we're going to talk about, only two this week, man, the two and a half maybe, uh, is a 10-part documentary series on Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. The series is called The Last Dance. You guys not allowed. Uh, The Last Dance is a 10-part docuseries that's going to be premiering on ESPN on April 19th. It is a 10-part, I just said 10-part docuseries again. Yes, uh, 10 episodes of Michael Jordan from kind of up and coming to joining the Chicago Bulls and where the Chicago Bulls were before he came on to being on the team, how they blew up. The t-shirts, the jerseys, the pop culture sensation, the guy who just could not miss a dunk. Uh, and then I think where they're at now, right? How he got out of it, kind of the ramp down, their fall from grace. <laughs> I think it, it's mostly about the Bulls in the 90s. It's about that sports yes. dynasty. I think centered, that's centered around Michael Jordan. Yes. Uh, like I said before we started the show, I am not a big sports guy, but I don't know what the hell they're going to talk about for 10, 10 episodes. They got to be half hour episodes. Like surely this cannot yeah, be 10 hours of content. Like it's like I, a 30 for 30 is what I'm thinking. Yes. I think you're totally right. Uh, from what I've heard from people who are at least passing fans of basketball, this is a really exciting series. Yeah. I, I'm not a big basketball fan, but I'm definitely interested uh, to watch this just to kind of learn a bit, a little bit more. And I, I mean, I remember seeing Jordan play. I remember those years um, when the the Bulls were were dominating basketball. Uh, so it, it it'd be nice to interesting to kind of revisit those times. What they, you know, what I didn't know as as a kid, kind of living through that. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be good. I, I've heard it said before that Michael Jordan is a little bit like the Big Bang, and that 
when he came out, like everything changed. Like when he exploded, the whole NBA exploded. And now you can take all the particles of what the NBA is and you can trace them all back to Michael Jordan. Uh, I don't know if that's entirely true. Again, I'm not that big of a basketball fan, but I'm excited to check this out, man. In, in the in the age of content drought, we need stuff like this. And I can get into a good documentary series. My God, I watched four episodes of that Tiger King show. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, I could get into this. I guess we'll have to see what it's about. Um, yeah, it's a know. bummer it's on ESPN. I, I hope it's available elsewhere. Yeah, they need to dump it on... Uh, YouTube or or Disney Plus, I think, because ESPN is well. Sometimes ESPN by... stuff has shown up on Netflix as well. So it's true, yeah. And I know Hulu has that deal where you can roll. Oh yeah, no, they've got that deal with Disney Plus. You can roll Hulu and ESPN all into one thing. So I'm sure if you're doing that, you can get a hold of this. Uh, otherwise, I'm sure they'll have some way to watch this. Right? I doubt this will be just like oh, it's on TV. There's nothing to do. So that's it. Keep an eye out for The Last Dance. I think it's going to be a really cool series. Moving on to our, our second film. Uh, so th- this actually just came out today. A uh, new film starring, uh, not Liam Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, the biggest, <laughs> the most famous Hemsworth, Chris yes. Hemsworth in a movie called Extraction. This is an extraction. So who the players? Biggest drug lord in India versus biggest drug lord in Bangladesh. Uh, so this is a new Netflix release, which will be out at the end of this month. So this trailer just dropped today, coming out in a few weeks. So this is going to help our content drought. Um, and it stars, uh, like I said, Chris Hemsworth as a fearless black mercenary, black market mercenary, excuse me. Um, who's <laughs> I'm leaving that up. <laughs> who's uh, hired to ex- for uh, a rescue mission, a kidnapping rescue mission where he has to extract a high value target. Uh, it looks like it takes place in India. Uh, there's a lot of ton of action in this trailer. We see him. He's uh, like Jason Bourne, basically beats everyone up, shoots everyone. But he's but he's got to he's, he's got to do an escort mission. He's got to take this what is like a small kid uh, of one of these two families of warring dr- uh, drug kingpins, and he's got to get him out of this this city. He's got to rescue him. Um, looks like a whole lot is going on in this movie tons of action uh david harbour also has a a supporting role uh lots of ass kicking and it comes out in a couple of weeks um i'm into it i think i'm gonna we'll probably do it on the show man i i think we probably will too only because again uh man we need things to watch but i i'm cautiously optimistic i've seen some uh movies on netflix that were supposed to be about like i don't know foreign extraction and 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 doing secret op missions in foreign countries and they just don't quite land and this one looks by the look of the trailer it looks like it does some things different it looks like it tries to dabble into better fight choreography like the action actually looks really solid in it uh i think chris hemsworth's gonna be a lot of fun just because he's he's a fun guy to watch i think uh and and i'll be interested to see his um flawed hero approach to being a a mercenary who's just got nothing left to live for except his next mission or whatever he's got going on uh i i think they're a little bit of dabbling in this long take stuff there's some cuts in the trailer that look like they're two scenes edited together to look like one long take and i like the energy behind that i i dig when movies kind of do that i think it's clever so I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. But it's an R-rated uh, film for strong, bloody violence throughout. And I'm into that. My <laughs> God. Yeah. yeah this this there, whole quarantine thing? Sure. This this movie kind of has everything. There's, uh, you know, again, car chases, shootouts, fist fights. There's helicopters. I know I, I know they pulled out the stops if there's a helicopter because helicopters are expensive to rent. That's um, right. 
so yeah it, it's very it's some high budget action uh which is this is perfect for this time now and i'm glad that there's some new stuff coming out uh this month yes uh there's one of the trailer we were going to talk about but it's really only a teaser Andy knows a little bit more about it than i do i he probably didn't expect me to prompt him to talk about it so Andy on the spot <laughs> Yes, the uh, the sequel to uh, Train to Busan uh, Peninsula, or it might be called Train to Busan colon Peninsula, the sequel to Train to Busan, yes. uh, had had a brief uh, trailer that, that also debuted uh, this week. And uh, it, it just kind of is like post-post-apocalyptic. It looks like the, you know, the the zombie hordes have been beaten back or there's some sort of society now, but now they're they're making people fight to the death or something. It looks wild. I still haven't seen the original train to Busan, but I've heard it's really good. I haven't either. And maybe that's something we should, we should watch coming up. That seems like, especially if there's a a new film coming out, but yeah, uh, train to Busan, if you don't know about it, um, it it garnered a lot of attention when it came out in 2016. uh, The quick byline on it, when a zombie virus breaks out in South Korea, uh, passengers struggle to survive on a train from Seoul to Busan. That's the deal. Zombies on a train. That's fundamentally the film. Uh, Of course, there's a lot more going on. And yeah, it it got a lot of attention. A lot of people really liked it. I I think it has really great writing, character development. I think it's shot well. Uh, I think this idea of disaster in a closed space is really exciting. Uh, And and doing that on a train with windows that's passing by a a city that is falling under uh, siege to a virus is, is... Particularly engaging, and, and who doesn't love a zombie movie, right? So I'm surprised they're making another one of these. I, I haven't seen the first one, but it just, it seemed like this was one of those kind of one and done kind of movies. Then, then again, I felt the same way about um, Knives Out, and here we are. So is this one of those age of sequel things, Andy? Is It, it did kind of well, so it has to get a sequel. Do you think there's really some staying power here in a zombie movie sequel? Um. Well, I, I mean, I have to. I really need to see the first one to make a good judgment. But I, I've heard nothing but good things, and so it's one of those things. Yeah, if it's successful, and maybe there's a logical place for the story to go. Um, yeah, I guess there's something we can see. Wise beyond your years, Andy Draper. <laughs> and with that, uh, I guess we'll keep you posted on more trailers. Like we said, it's it's a little trim. I think I think this we're going to be hurting for content more right in the next few months because everything that was being shot and was in production has since halted production and no content is being made really right right exactly the there's a lot of things in the can but that's going to slowly run out and then you know in a month or two we might not might just will be dependent on people making stuff in their basement right it's gonna be a whole lot of animated films coming out so we'll see what happens. Uh, keep it here on Offscript for more. Of course, we talk about trailers every few weeks, I think, and uh, we'll have more coming up in the future. With that, we should get to our last film of the episode. Andy's graciously agreed to take the summary on this one. Andy, when you explain this, if you wouldn't mind, to remind people how we stumbled into this movie, and that'll, I think, you know, yeah, set so, the stage. Uh, but please, uh, take it away. Tombstone Rashomon. Are we done? Uh, so we were contacted being the prestigious, uh, film podcast that we are, uh, to review, uh, uh this film, uh, to yeah. Rashomon, which, uh, was, is being created and distributed through a uh, Tricoast entertainment. Um, this is a kind of straight to DVD, uh, release, which will be released on April 21st and then online in, uh, July, 2020. So the, and by April 21st, I mean, it'll be released like on in Walmart, Best Buy, Target, Deep Discount, these kinds of, of outlets. It's a straight to DVD, 
uh, kind of film. Uh, so we were excited to uh, be con- contacted and uh, to review a movie, and we you know we, we got a screener that, that had like a watermark uh, and all that, which I thought was really cool. Um, so what this film is about, it's a kind of documentary slash mockumentary style um, interviews with uh, the kind of fabled heroes from the shootout at the OK Corral in uh, Tombstone, Arizona. So if you've seen the movie Tombstone or other a bunch of other movies around those, it's about interviewing the, the main characters. So Wyatt Earp, Doc Holliday, other people <laughs> that no one else remembers. Sure, yeah. Um, and it's filmed in, uh, you know, so there's interviews and there's kind of flashback. It's called Tombstone Rashomon because you're, you're getting different perspectives of the same event all slightly different or everyone remembering things kind of a dif- differently and at the, at the same time it's also a doc uh, mockumentary so there's you know there's some jokes there's some humor in it uh as well um so that's that's our setup it's it's a short movie it's like I said, it's a low budget thing zach what did you think i think okay <laughs> i think we were graciously sent this film by the production company that made it, TriStar World Pictures, I think is the name of it. Um, so we should talk about what works in this movie. Uh, we should also talk about what doesn't work because I'm not, you know, we're not we're not about bought and paid for reviews here. All right, we're going to be honest. We're not we're not we're not we're not, we're not shills. Also, we, right? we, we're we, not have gonna... no, we have received no check from anyone. <laughs> just to keep right. it right. I can't sell out if you don't pay me. That's important. <laughs> let's let's be clear. But we're not sellouts on this podcast. So we're going to give you a good old a uh, good old fashioned honest review of Tombstone Rashomon and the honest review is it's not good (laughs) so let's talk about what works in it and let's talk about what doesn't work in it and then how people might be able to find this movie if they're interested in watching it Uh, I think we should talk about what works first right sure absolutely absolutely um, so I, I enjoy this idea, this idea of interviewing, uh, basically doing kind of a Western documentary in, in every, you know, it's kind of a, like almost remind me of like a World War II documentary where you interview the soldiers coming home. This is ca- kind of the idea, but you're talking about 1870 um, <laughs> cowboys or, or Wild West uh, figures. Um, so I, I like that, that idea. The mockumentary part of this doesn't really work. Like there's not... It's not really funny enough, but the documentary idea I, I think is 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 interesting, and and there are some some good parts to that. What did you think about that approach? You know, I I think the mockumentary stuff is okay. This movie kind of starts on a very bad note. Um, it just explains in text right at the beginning. Hey, so time travelers tried to go back to October twenty sixth, eighteen eighty one, and showed up a day late. And since they missed the gunfight at the OK Corral, they had to interview people who were kind of there to get the full picture and do like a reenactment. And that is like the clumsiest opening text I've seen in a long, like that's so time travelers. That's so much. What are you talking about? Slow down. Um, But if you can put that behind you and just get into the movie, the mockumentary stuff is okay. Yeah, you're right. Like the idea of, of interviewing old West characters in a hyper modern documentary setting with 4k cameras and like a washed out backdrop kind of cool at least it's shot well i'll be honest the mockumentary stuff is shot very well like it it looks very documentary um so whoever did that was on the ball uh the reenactment stuff i think is where it it hurts like because it it's shot on some kind of they shot most of this movie on some kind of backlot set out out in i assume arizona and it just looks low budget you know it doesn't quite have the polish it needs to sell what i'm seeing yeah it's interesting that having watched uh 
what Coffee and Cream, which is a low budget, you know, Hollywood film, but you, it still has the Hollywood polish, and that's kind of what uh, this is missing. Like you have uh, the costumes, I, I think are good, but they they look like people wearing costumes. They don't look like people in that time period. Like everyone's a little bit too clean looking. Like the like the facial hair isn't either convincing enough or isn't grown out. Like everyone's like face and, and skin is too clear. They, like they don't look dirty and, and gritty. You know, when I'm reminded, like I was reminded of a lot better movies, uh, like, like the original Tombstone or Django Unchained or 310 to Yuma or these kinds of, you know, like Ben Foster and 310 to Yuma is just like, he's just, He's so, so cool. he's so well. He's so dirty. He's just like covered in dirt all the time, and he's just like oh, yeah. is grimy. His teeth are green. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, it's almost too polished. Like everyone looks too clean and nice, and like th- their hair looks too modern. Uh, so, I think there are some good performances here, but the overall, like the the people don't fit their costumes a lot of times. It just it doesn't look authentic enough. Right. The the attention to detail is what's lacking because the costumes are there and they're fine costumes and the sets are in the fine sets and the hair and makeup is actually pretty decent. A couple of the guys in this uh, are that are playing like old timey bartenders or like the old sheriff, uh, sheriff, sheriff, uh, John, Johnny Behan, Behan, Behan. Uh, he, they have like their heads kind of shaved to make them look like they're balding and they're not. But like, I appreciate that these young actors went to the trouble, you know, to shave parts of their heads and to try to do this accent. Like they're, they're going for something. Uh, there's one woman in particular, it's Doc Holliday's wife in the film. Who's yeah. Got a very, Christ- very thick accent. Christine yes. Doidge. Yes. Uh, the accent is not convincing and she has way too many lines for it to be for it to feel convincing uh but again you're she's going for it she was like i'm i'm gonna do this bit it's like it's like it's a little like johnny depp doing jack sparrow right like i'm doing this character i don't i don't care what anybody says i'm doing it and i'm like i respect that i respect that you're going for it as an artist but the script does not lend itself yeah to a I, big performance like that i really liked uh her character she plays kate like i said um doc holiday's wife so yeah. she's this character that's like from hungary or or something and she there's this running bit which i think actually works for really well uh she doesn't have like a complete grasp on the english language and she keeps using she keeps using the wrong pronoun to describe her husband instead of referring to doc holiday as him and he, he she refers to him as her like oh my husband my husband she's so great yeah mm. th- that that kind of thing and th- that's a running gag in her interview which i think works well and there are there are some gags like that, that which are kind of well thought out and she's you know kind of a fish or like kind of cultural clash thing going on uh, as well. I, th- I definitely thought her, her character was, was one of the highlights. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't mind her at all. Yeah. There's also a bartender that's interviewed. Who's, who's kind of charming, kind of quiet. And, and the local sheriff, uh, Johnny Behan. There's, there's a couple others. Uh, Doc holiday, I think is interviewed in it. Right. Why yes. Earp definitely. Yeah. Um, and they're not, I mean, they're not outstanding. Like you said, they're mentally, I think kind of there, but visually these guys are, Super pale because they've never been out in the sun a day in their lives. Like they've never lived well, in the old west. You know, they're, they're super clean, and it's just like, oh, oh, okay. Like, what are we? What are we trying to present here? You know, this just looks like a mock up of a mock up. It's it's two steps back from what it needs to be. Well, it's like when you think of the of the great cowboys, the great mustaches of our time. Things like yeah. like Kurt Russell or um, oh man, I'm blank blank Sam Elliott. Um, you know, that's got that. I mean, he was born with a cowboy's vo- voice kind of situation. And that's, and it's those kinds of touches that we're missing. Like the costumes look good, but I'm not convinced that you're in 1870s 
uh, Arizona. It's you're like you you don't speak gr- like you speak too clearly. You don't you're not gruff enough. You're not unintelligible enough. Yeah, and there's this weird angle with the science fiction thing with the time travel that you can't really get an idea of what time period you're in. Like, did did the time travelers go back to 1886 and then? set up a studio to interview these people in or did they bring them the old the, the, the old time people to the modern time and do it because there's a couple scenes in this where there's like straight up cars in the background there's yeah. like a building behind the, there's like some this interesting... building they're all sitting in front of i'm just like that's a skyscraper like why would that be in arizona and like it's just very confusing and it's hard to get into what i'm supposed to be not seeing yeah the, the, there's some yeah one of the flashbacks has instead of on horses they're in in a police car um so which was an interesting choice so i yeah i'm and i think that that's played for laughs and it's just it just feels kind of odd um i, I did think that uh eric schumacher who plays doc holiday um i thought he he had a really good performance i think he's one of the most convincing as far as having like the right accent the right demeanor the only thing that doesn't work about him is that they've made him so kind of pasty and pale because he's always been traditionally very sick um he just kind of looks like a vampire like he looks, yeah. he looks like he belongs in what we, what, what we do in the shadows. Um, yeah. Cause he legitimately looks like a vampire. He doesn't look like a sick man. Right. He doesn't quite have like the charisma you would need to sell that performance. So it just kind of seems feeble in a way that's not convincing. Like it just seems like he's not really trying. So um, yeah, just strange. I, I think a lack of direction probably from uh, Alex Cox, uh, the director who's done a series of films like this uh, also directed Sid and Nancy way back in the day. Starring Gary Oldman. This is the same guy. Um, was in Sid and Nancy. I don't... No, he directed it. Oh, did he direct it? I'm, as well? I'm looking at oh, okay. Never right mind. Now, never mind. I swear. Never mind. I know. Yeah, he was also in it, but I yeah, apparently. Yeah. So that, that's that's no, a I, big claim to fame. Speaking more of, of the performances, yeah, I think Eric Schumacher as Doc Holliday was was really strong. I, I liked his his kind of drawl, his demeanor. He you know definitely. It's hard because you want you don't want to be Val Kilmer's version, but that is. You know that that is what he's trying to channel. I think it works yes. really well. I wasn't really convinced by Wider played by Adam Newberry. Again, no. it's just not really gruff enough. Um, and then I felt like other characters, like uh, Jesse Lee Pacheco, who plays Johnny Behan. Yeah. He he has so many lines. I kind of felt bad. I was like, he has to like just talk forever. And I feel like it's. I feel like his performance is a little actually a little bit understated. I I felt like he could have gone gone a little bit more maybe chewed a little bit more more scenery it's very subtle but i i I think it works yes and and before you're thinking to yourself before you start thinking to yourself like well wait how can i look up these these actors and actresses what else have i seen them in you haven't seen them in anything like this is low low budget to a way some of their first features yes you you this is this is early work let's say uh and who knows maybe a couple of them will 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 turn into things uh but for for now none of these names are going to sound familiar for you to you because none of them are familiar yet so just keep that in mind um but i do want to talk about the lines right the script uh i think i think that's probably the film's weakest point uh not only in its broad presentation of female historian time travelers going back to 1886 and missing the shootout at the okay corral by a day but documenting documenting it anyway not only that but also just the general script writing these these this script is so wordy Oh my God! All they do is talk. Like these these characters have so many lines, and they are just talking and talking and talking. And it's like I can't keep up with the information. Like you got you got you, you, you got to 
show us, right? Film is a visual medium. Show me what's happening. Don't just tell me. Like, that doesn't work, you know? Yeah, I got really confused at several points because they rattle off a whole lot of, of names because, I mean, there's a lot of people involved in this whole incident. You know, there's there's Virgil Earp, Morgan Earp, Allie Earp, Frank McClary, Tom McClary, Billy Clanton, and they refer to all these people, but a lot of times they don't show them or they don't explicitly introduce them. So right. uh, there's several points where I was like, I don't really know who you're talking about. I'm not really following what has happened. Right. Like you're going to know some big names here that might sound familiar. Wyatt Earp, Doc Holliday. Those are names you probably know, right? Probably from Tombstone with, with Val Kilmer, but like those will stand out. But when they talk about Billy Clanton, or Frank and Tom McClare, like, who are they? Who are you talking about, you know? And and rather than, like, really show us and visually express, hey, these are these characters. They have families. Here's what they do. Here's how they got here. They just kind of show up on screen, and they look like extras. And, and then you see gravestones with their names on them, and you're like, all right. Like, it doesn't mean anything. They, they haven't... They don't invest the time to build up their characters to anything worth caring about. So when characters are talking about them... You just kind of don't care. And and when they're talking a lot, you really don't care because it's confusing and you can't keep yeah, up. Yeah, because there's a whole lot of, oh, he came into the bar and, and blah, blah, blah. And the, it takes a while to get to what the premise of the film is, which is this, this Rashomon thing where everyone rec- recalls a different, uh, you know, the events differently. Sure. It, it takes us a while to get there. Once we do, it's a little more interesting. But the kind of the first act is just so much talking and I'm just like... What are we doing? And, and like Zach and I were talking about uh, before the show that this this reminds me of when people they come up with a movie idea based around one scene or one thing and then try to hammer out the rest of the details. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, it, it, and I think it for the most part doesn't work. And another thing that really makes it confusing on, on top of the completely con- contradicting stories because everybody has a different idea of what happened. There's never a broad byline of, hey, here's the history of what happened on this day. That doesn't happen. You're just kind of expected to know what happened at the OK Corral on October 6, 1887, which I like. I have no idea what happened. Uh, October 23rd. I don't even remember the date. Yeah. They also don't do <laughs> lower third titles on anybody, which is normally something you would see in a documentary. You would see, you know, somebody would come up on screen and be talking, and then it would just kind of fade in at the bottom. Hey, here's Johnny Behan. He's the sheriff of... Coaches, like I, I don't know, and here's here's Doc Holliday's wife, and she's this, or here's what she was doing that day, and that never happens. There's never any visual indicator of who these people are, and what they're doing. You just have to get it through dialogue, which is incredibly confusing because it's too dense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely. Um, it like we said, most of the issues with this movie are just polish, refinement. Uh, that's not quite there. It's not there in the script. It's not there in the the performances. It's not there in some of the production. Yeah. I, I The things that are there in production, because it's worth mentioning, on top of some actors who are genuinely trying to kind of channel interesting, unique performances, the lighting in this film is surprisingly even. And I don't know how exactly that happened, but it comes out pretty good. Now, the color is not great. It's, it's actually very washed out. I think their color grading was off, or I'm, I'm not really sure where. The colors are not outstanding. The lighting looks real good. I also enjoyed the music. Uh, music's by a, a small composer. I, I actually can't even recall his name now, but music's okay. Lighting's okay. Mockumentary stuff is shot pretty well. Performances are all right. Um, 
But man, the the script just really, really hurts it. I think they just tried to do too much with the Western slash science fiction thing. They really should have just gone for one and stuck with it. Yeah, that's that's what I had that same feeling with this documentary, mockumentary issue. Like, either go completely documentary style or go completely mockumentary style. Because you kind of land in the middle and like... I forgot at times that, oh, you know, there would be a kind of a joke that would come out of nowhere and and then I would be reminded, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be uh, kind of a parody uh, of a thing. Right. I, I, if there were jokes, I didn't laugh ever once. Like it never, just never really, I don't know. Like it didn't really land on any kind of sense of humor. It was trying to be kind of serious because it's called Tombstone Rashomon, for God's sake. Like you wouldn't expect that to be funny. And (laughs) yeah, it, it just seems to lack a little bit of creative i hate to say direction because obviously there's a director behind this who cared about it and worked on it but like just a, like a like a straight line you know it just kind of zigzags and never really finds its identity and that, that's ultimately i think what's so disappointing about it recommendations Oof, recommendations <laughs> andy would you recommend tombstone rashomon overall i'd say probably not um it, like i said it will be coming out on uh dvd uh, to buy um, on April 21st and then on video on demand in July. Um, but I definitely wouldn't buy this if it were on Netflix. I wouldn't sit through it again. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I nearly told Zach not to watch it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that what this is, is, is probably it's a, it's a resume builder for the director's next project for all the actors involved, because making a movie any movie is difficult even if it's low budget and you know there's lots of people who worked hard um to make it happen and you know hopefully you know the whatever they do next will be a step up i wouldn't recommend this movie ever once (laughs) uh i wouldn't recommend this review of this movie uh it's it's i mean it's just not good and and I hey I love that they sent us this movie to watch. I'm glad we watched it. And 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 if you're looking for something, here, here's what I would say: this movie's made for because I, I think this movie is made for somebody. I think this movie is made for kids who are in film school because it is a step up from a film school adaptation. It is a step down from anything you would see at a movie theater or anything you'd see on Netflix. It's this weird in between. It reminds me of like a straight to red box movie, right? Yeah. It's not good enough to go to a streaming service. Cause nobody's going to click on it and watch it looking at the thumbnail. It's not good enough to just, or it's, but it's better than what you just see like in a, in a grad student film thesis class. Uh, it's right on the in-between and it's like a DVD you'd find at Redbox and be like, this looks kind of different. Maybe I'll check this out. And then you'd rent it for $2 or whatever. And you'd be so pissed that you wasted <laughs> <laughs> money. And, and it, it's, it's got a space and it, it, you're right. It serves as a, a potential launch pad for some better performances and some better tech work in here. But ultimately it is not greater than some of its parts. Uh, do not worry about tombstone Rashomon. Forget <laughs> you ever heard about it. And with that, uh, we should, <laughs> what do you figure the, the odds are of people from TriStar world pictures? Listen to this. Uh, try tri- surely not. Tri- tri- Coast entertainment. Oh, I'm going to tell them. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to send them the link. I'll send it's them at the, the end link. of the episode. They won't, they won't hear this. It's fine. <laughs> I'll send them the uh, link. They'll be happy. It, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure they'll listen for clips. <laughs> I'll listen for quotes. 
If you enjoyed listening to the off script this week, uh, you can find out what we're listening, what we're watching next week from Andy, who's about to. T- Andy, what are we watching next week? <laughs> we're going to be taking a look at the new adip- newest adaptation of Les Misérables, uh, now on Amazon Prime, and we're also going to be taking a look back at the Nice Guys from uh, I can't remember what year, a few years ago, action comedy, I think. Yeah, action comedy starring. Uh, not Nicolas Cage, uh, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, uh, which is going to be on HBO Go. Yeah, you wish it had Nicolas Cage in it. My <laughs> God. Yeah, I- I'm excited about The Nice Guys. I watched it a while back, and I don't really remember it. It was late, and I was tired, and I might have been drinking. And I, I just kind of... I remember kind of chuckling, but I don't remember a whole lot. Uh, but I've had some friends who've seen it and said it was really funny. So it's on HBO. I'm excited to watch it. I'm also looking forward to Les Miserables because I... That's how you say it, right? Les yeah. Les Miserables? Yeah. Because uh, it's, like, modern, and it's about, like, the current France. I'm not really sure, but I hope it's good. Uh, and at an hour 45, I don't mind the runtime. Uh, yeah. If you enjoyed listening to Off Script, uh, the biggest thing you could do for the show is just subscribe. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platforms. You get new episodes every single Tuesday. That's when we do them. Of course, we put them out in the evening. So if you're listening now on Tuesday, hey, thanks for being on the ball. And if you listen later, that's okay too. New episode next Tuesday starring Les Miserables and, and, and the nice guys. You can check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. We're on all those things. It's pretty fantastic. We're actually working on uh, getting a new podcast distributor too, which is completely relevant to you if you're listening to the show. But things are happening behind the scenes and That's off script, right. all right? That's right. Bold, bold cinema will continue uh, despite quarantine and everything else. Um, you can rate and review us on your favorite platform as well. That actually helps a ton, believe it or not. If you haven't rate and rev- rated and reviewed your favorite podcast, go out and do it. Seriously, it helps a bunch. Like Not just us, but like any podcast you listen to. Throw them five stars just for the trouble. It's a lot of work, and we appreciate you listening to the show. So, from all of us at Offscript, that's all of it, everything, right? Yep. <laughs> Our website, I didn't say that. I didn't say the website. Uh, mail at offscriptfilmreview.com is if you want to email us. Offscriptfilmreview.com is our website where our new episodes are posted every week if you don't want to find them on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you found this one. Uh, from all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.